I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Unbreakable with Jay Glaser, a mental health podcast helping you out of the gray and into the blue. Now, here's Jay Glazer. Welcome to Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer. I'm Jay Glazer, and today is a special show. It's our Veterans Day week show. You all know how invested I am into the military and our veterans. And today is the best guest I've ever had, coolest guest I've ever had, most amazing story I have ever heard in my life. And I do have to get a little housekeeping out of the way here first. If you're like many people... You will be surprised to learn that one in five adults in this country experienced mental illness last year, yet far too many fail to receive the support they need. Carolyn Behavioral Health is doing something about it. They understand that behavioral health is a key part of whole health, delivering compassionate care that treats physical, mental, emotional, and social needs in tandem. Carolyn Behavioral Health, raising the quality of life through empathy and action. All right, welcome in again to Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, special Veterans Day podcast. I never get starstruck or words are hard to come by in the last, I don't know, 30 years of doing this and, and the career I've in, except for one time in my life. That's the other time I've met these two people. And I don't know if I'm going to do them justice introducing them, but folks, you want to be on this journey with us tonight because it's the most incredible story of love first, perseverance, courage, and so many other adjectives that you all will come up with along this journey. I'm so grateful they're here with me. Let me lay this out correctly here. There's two guests, and we've never done this before. All right. Shoshana Johnson, who's the first African-American female POW that America's ever had. 
and the Marine that rescued her in Iraq, Kearney Russell. Welcome both to Unbreakable. So there's so many ways we could start. I, I met you both on a Zoom for MVP, Charity. I found emerging vets and players. And that's the first time you had ever seen each other, right? Since Kearney, you guys rescued Shoshana. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was the first this, time. It was, uh, it was, it's kind of weird that being the first time actually now that I think about it. Is this the second time? Have you two kept in touch? This is the second time. Wow. Really? Yeah. So, yeah. all right. First of all, let, let's go back. Shoshana, cause there's two different ways. Shoshana, I want you to tell me your version of what had happened in those days, that day when Kearney and his crew rescued you. And then I want Kearney for you to chime in because you obviously had a version from the outside. A totally different way of seeing it. Shoshana, take it away. I remember it was a Sunday morning. I don't know if we were really keeping track or I remember, or we figured out it was Sunday afterwards. And our guards were giving us breakfast. And how how long have like, you been in captivity at that point? 22 days. 22 days. And 22 how did you get captured in the, in the first place? Uh, we were captured in um, ambush in Anazaria, Iraq. Wow. We lost uh, 11. It was six of us captured that survived the captivity. Wow. Um, Lori Ann Piestola, uh, was captured alive and she died of her injuries. Um, Sergeant Donald Walters, um, was captured and died of injuries also. Wow. So you get captured and again, forgive me because it's, you know, I'm used to interviewing football players and fighters and all this. And you're a different type of fighter. So forgive me if I have a question that's ignorant or anything like that. You get captured. What's going through your mind? First of all, you worry about the others. I mean, right. I'm not in it by myself. There, there's my fellow soldiers and so forth. So you, um, you wonder who else got injured, who's dead and so forth. And then you start to wonder, am, are you going to make it through this? Do they keep you separated? Yes. Now the, the way to have ambush happened, they broke down our convoy into three parts. I was part of the last part where the, we got captured. I don't know if the rest of the, the convoy got out. We, I didn't find that out until the day we were rescued and we got to, um, to Doha and they broke down to us exactly who died and who made it out. So part of that, we didn't know for all of our captivity. We knew about Lynch. We knew about Lori, but we didn't know if they had survived or died or whatsoever. Especially Jessica, we, I knew that she had been uh, injured and taken to the hospital in a Nazaria. I didn't know if she had survived what happened. And I thought Lori was dead. Wow. So when they take, where do they bring you and put you in? They, um, they actually took us to Baghdad. And, you know, unfortunately, with the stuff that's recently happened in the Middle East, a lot of that stuff brought up some really mm. intense memories because a lot of the videos where they would take the cat, the hostages out and show them off, mm. they did the exact same thing to us. Wow. They really? did the exact same thing. I mean, we we're in a vehicle. They would stop in different cities and show us off. You know, we got spit on, we got slapped and so forth as they took us from a Nazaria to Baghdad. So lately seeing a lot of those images brought back a whole lot into my head about those days. Sometimes it's good because it's nice to realize where you are right now and how well you're doing, but it also brings up stuff like, oh my gosh, I had forgotten about that particular incident or, you know, stuff like that. And it makes it very intense. When it's happening, are you trying to just reconcile like, oh, it's going to take a while. Am I going to live or am I going to die? How do I survive? Like, how are you, what's your survival, I guess, tactics uh, between the years and the early point of that? 
you just hope, you know? I mean, there's always a time, oh, this is it, I'm going to die. And then you're like, nope, nope. You, I mean, within a minute, you know, you go back and forth and talking to yourself right. and you're, within a minute, you're like, no, this is it, I'm going to die. And then you're like, nope, nope, nope. I made it this far. There's a reason, you know, and you and you just hold on as best as you can. And that's all you can do. I had no control over anything. I had no control whether I went to the bathroom, where, you know, whether you ate, whether you slept, you know, and stuff like that. No control. All you can do is hope, pray. I mean, if you have a sense of uh, faith or anything like that. And hold on. You know, I remember, um, I tell this story all the time. When I was younger, back in the day, Kearney won't remember this because he's too young. <laughs> they used to have TV movies, movie of the weeks and right. stuff like that. You know, now they have Netflix and all that. It was TV and movie week. And there was a, a one called Shogun. It was a mini series and stuff like that. Part of Shogun, there was a point where a guy like literally got so afraid he had a heart attack and dropped dead. I remember asking my mom, oh, my God, what happened, mom? She was, he had a heart attack. He got so scared. As life goes on, things happen and everything. You watch the Lifetime movies and these dramatic things happen to these women. And I'm like, that's not me. If it came up to me, I'd have a heart attack and die, just like the dude in Shogun. So here I am in the ambush. I'm waiting to have my heart attack and die because I'm terrified. But the heart attack doesn't come. So it's kind of realization. I got to live through this. I'm going to have to, you know, go day by day, minute by minute. And that's the realization. And it also teaches you, you don't know how strong you are until you have to be. I sure thought I was going, I was going ready for my heart attack. I didn't think I was tough enough, but here I am. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. 
Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So when they brought you, I don't know where they brought you, they bring you to one place and keep you there for 22 days. They move you around. They moved us around. Um, Baghdad, we were taken to Baghdad. We were interrogated. Um, Then we were put into a cell. We were in a prison for a couple of days. And we got moved seven times. Wow. Every time the U.S. got close, and we can hear it, we can hear the bombings, we can hear them getting gunfire and stuff like that, we were moved as as the U.S. got close. Kearney and them found us in a house. It was somebody's home. Wow. Did you know, like, were you blindfolded the whole time, or were you aware, like, okay, I'm in this now, they're moving us here, they're moving us Like, how aware were you, what was happening? They blindfolded us when they moved us. We couldn't see a thing. Um, Lots of times they, they moved us at night. We didn't know at the time. We found out later they were moving us in a Red Crescent van. There was a couple of times there were firefights going on, and they're moving us in the middle of it and things like that. How many other people it, were you with, and are you are you in a room? Or are you? They they kept me separate until the last two places. Um, we were all separate in the beginning. I think it was like the third or fourth place where they started to put the men together, and then I stayed by myself until the last two houses, and then they put me with the guys. And it was six guys and myself. Now, Courtney, I want to bring you in here, right? Yeah. So in the days leading up, and, you know, Shoshana said she's in the house. Tell us what you're told. Tell us how you guys are starting to form this mission to go rescue Shoshana and the others. So to backtrack a little, actually, um, she mentioned uh, Nazaria. And my memory serves me correct. We, uh, Our battalion got ambushed in Nazaria. I think they, they had dubbed that ambush alley shortly after we had gone through there. Uh, you know, so it, it was, it was kind of a known area. Um, and I want to say we had gone through there prior to, uh, Shoshana and her unit moving through there. So it was kind of like a known hot area to go through. So yeah, that, that was, uh, I, I remember that. I remember that night pretty, pretty vividly. You know, it was one of those things where we were rolling through, you know, back going back to uh, Nazaria, we were rolling through and then it just seemed like up to the front of the convoy, all hell broke loose and it just trickled all the way down. And it was like, whoa, what's going on here? And I think that was like our first actual real engagement, you know, none, none of like the pop shots or anything like that. It was actual real engagement with guys who wanted to fight back. So yeah, no, I remember, I remember Nazaria. I remember rolling through there, but, uh, so back to, you know, we were, the, the whole goal for us, I guess, was just get to Baghdad. You know, I remember, you know, talking with the guys and, hey, you know, we got to get to Baghdad. Once we get to Baghdad, this war's over and all this stuff. And we were making really good progress going up there, uh, moving north. I remember we had stopped kind of on the outskirts. And I want to say we we formed Task Force Tripoli. Task Force Tripoli was like formed like, hey, Forget about Baghdad. We want you guys past Baghdad. Let's go up to uh Saddam's hometown of Tikrit. Like, let's get up there and, like, let's show them we're up here. We're, we're going to fight our way all the way through. I remember hearing some talk, hey, if we take any, any you know, shots in Baghdad, we just want to race straight through there. We want to get to Tikrit, where that, that was supposed to be the, the, 
like the big fight was supposed to be into crit because he was, you know, Saddam was supposed to have his, uh, I think it was like the revolution, the revolution guard or something like that. Like that was going to be their last stand. Like the big fight was going to be into crit. So it's like, Hey, let's get task force Tripoli up there as fast as we can. And, uh, so, you know, we kind of just pushed straight through Baghdad and I want to say like the night prior. So there's all these rumors going around too. Like even, you know, I've done, you know, I went to Iraq another time after that and Afghanistan uh, after that. And there's always rumors that fly about, you know, and one of the rumors was that I think it was like the army's third infantry division was going to come relieve us in place. Like once we get up there, we're going to, you know, once we get to Tikrit, we'll fight, we'll do our thing. The army's third ID is going to come relieve us and we're going home, you know? So it's like the rumors are spreading and all that stuff. So we, uh, we got outside of the city where, where the, uh, that, that rescue had gone down. And just prior to moving in a friend of ours, Elliot Ruiz, he had got injured. You know, he, he got injured. I think it was like a few days prior to that. And so we move into, I forget the name of the city. Do you remember the, the name of the city, Shoshana? Samara. Samara. Thank you. Yeah. So we, we, we moved, uh, we moved into Samara that night and, um, I think it was second platoon or something like that. They had taken some, you know, they taken some shots. They had some action going on over by the area that they were tasked to secure. My platoon, we had a bridge. It was, was kind of quiet that night. So the following morning, uh, you know, we're told, Hey, stop every like high profile car that's coming through because that's going to be the, um, those are like supposedly like Saddam's guys, you know, like if you see any high, like, you know, nice looking luxurious cars, stop them. You know, we got guys that need to talk to them. So we're just doing that. It was kind of boring for us that, that morning, I remember. And then, then, then we get told, Hey, battalion commander wants to talk to you guys. So if we're like, Hey, the army's third IDs here. We're going to be going home soon. You know, and uh Italian commander came out and he's like, hey, look, we got a mission for you guys. You know, kind of in a nutshell, I was like, hey, we got a mission. There's seven Americans in this town and we're going to go get them. You know, and it was like, whoa. So the Army's third ID is not here, you know. So, yeah, that's kind of how it got got briefed down to us. And uh I remember hearing terms during the, that whole, you know, push up the Baghdad and stuff. It was like, hey, you guys, your weapons free. You know, not out there just lawless, you know, shooting and stuff like that, but military age men that, to pose a threat. And that was the first time that I heard, Hey, you guys are going to be weapons tight on this one, you know? So like, don't shoot unless you guys are getting shot at. And it was like, yeah. So I was kind of like, Oh wow. And they're like, Hey, by the way, Russell, you're the point man, you know? And I'm like, all right, you know, this is, this is going to be great. You know? So, uh, so yeah, that was like kind of leading up to it. Um, how, how many, how many other Marines are you with leading this rescue? So it was our platoon. There would have been, uh, we were light on that uh, that deployment. We were real light, so we probably had on the ground maybe ten guys, maybe ten guys wow. on the ground. But we That's had uh, wow, yeah. Then that, that was like you know we we had we plussed up a little for that. I remember our uh, our company first sergeant came out with us. You know, maybe one or two other people, but actually guys that I was with the whole time. There was probably like ten of us. You know, we had vehicles in support. Don't get me wrong. You know, we had our vehicles that brought us there. The outer cordon was set with the you know, platoon of vehicles. The inner cordon was set with uh, another platoon of vehicles. But the the actual rescue force on the ground was uh, was kind of light. And wh- how did you know where to go? Where she was? You had when when did that information? That morning, somebody. That morning. You know, that morning yeah, that morning somebody had came up. We didn't know they were there. I remember, I remember hearing that, 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 you know, some, uh, some soldiers had got captured. We heard that, you know, we heard that like, Hey, some soldiers got captured guys like, you know, stick together type deal, you know, don't get separated, you know, this, that, and the other. It's like, all right. So we had known that I knew that, um, Jessica Lynch had got rescued as well. Like we had heard that the seals had gone in and rescued Jessica Lynch. So yeah, that morning, 
I think somebody had walked up to like first or second platoon. One of the guys like was like, Hey, handed them a piece of paper, basically. Um, it kind of like the, how it was told to us after was like that the people who had them captive, but like their people who were holding them got so scared because we were like task force Tripoli was doing what we were supposed to do and moving so fast that they were like, Whoa, like we don't want them anymore type deal. Wow. So yeah, that's how it was told to us after is like, you know, they basically, they got scared. They're like, you know, we weren't supposed to be there that quick. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer, Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so now, Shoshana, I'm going to go back to you here. Okay, <laughs> we're going to get to this. So it, it's the day of, do you think something's different? Do you Are you starting to feel that, man, that there could be um, hope inside here? It was a little different because um, they used to keep us in a room where we slept and all that kind of stuff. And they brought us out to like a living room kind of area and they were giving us breakfast, you know, which was tea and a little, you know, cake thing a jig like that and I was like okay okay <laughs> you know and the night before I remember definitely the night before they gave us this big meal like a version of hamburger with some rice and they gave us soda and chocolate and I was like oh yeah and then I thought oh hell this is my last meal wow 
You know, so I I definitely was terrified, terrified, terrified. Did you know we were there? Curious if you had heard like that firefight that I think was first or second platoon had gotten into. No, no, I don't remember. And that was kind of the scary stuff because before we were hearing firefights, we were hearing, you know, gunfire and stuff. Once you move to a house and you don't hear none of that action, then how are you going to get found? They can't come and look through every house in Iraq. So once you start putting us in houses, I really started to get scared. I was like, they can't go through everybody's house. How are they going to find us? You know, and then, you know, then the last meal comes into play and I'm like, oh, shit, it's over. Well, it was over. You know, them guys came busting down the door. I mean, you hear boom and then you're get down, get down. And wait, wait, so, was, so where are you when this is going? When you, I was in the little dining room. No, we're all in the little dining room or living room area. You know, everything's, you know, you sit on the floor and stuff like that and everything. What kind of condition are you? Are you injured? Are you, are they done anything? To I, you? I, I, I was shot in both legs during the ambush. Oh my God. But, you know, I was doing okay. Uh, okay. Me, I get up and I'm like, oh, they don't mean me. I'm American. <laughs> so I'm standing there and I, it was, uh, Gordon Miller. He was the LT, came up and like pushed me to the ground. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and he was, you know, basically they get everybody on the ground. Back up, back up. Are you blindfolded or you're not blindfolded? I'm not blindfolded. Okay. They were giving us so, breakfast. So do you hear like boom, boom, boom? Do you hear anything outside? Do you hear them creeping? Do you have any idea or are you just shocked when this door kicks open? Or I think you also said there was a couple, you heard a couple no. booms. I think the last time we. I heard a, I heard two big booms in the door coming down. Right. Okay were coming open. And I was like, oh, crap, what the hell? And then you hear clear English. They're talking about get down, get down, and it's clear English. It's not accented or anything. So I, and you're like, I'm going home. How quickly does that trigger with you? Like, this is it. I'm getting rescued. I, I mean, by the time get down, get down, and I was like, oh, my God, that's Americans. I'm going home. I'm going home. Bring me inside your mind right there when you realize I'm not going to be left here. I am getting rescued. I, it's just joy. Joy. I mean, it's hard to explain or put that into words the way they came in. I mean, it's like a movie. That's what I, in my head, it's like a movie. You know, you see these guys coming in and breaking down the door and literally pulling you out and rescuing you. This is not something, I mean, none of it was ever anything I would ever thought I'd ever experience, but it's, it's still, Something I prayed for and hoped for, but then to have it really happening is surreal. Surreal. And you know, I, I say this, there was a 20th anniversary in Las Vegas. I was hoping to see Kearney there and he wasn't there. <laughs> and I was able to tell most, a lot of them, I said, in my mind, y'all are all six feet tall. Your shoulders are so broad. You had to turn sideways to get in the room because you are heroes. Y- you know, we see this stuff in TV and movies, and we see these make-believe, but I got to experience it in real life. You know, I think America sees our men and women in uniform as abstract, the sacrifices they make and what they do for us. I get to see it and experience it face-to-face, you know, in this moment. I saw these men come in to pull me out at the risk of their own lives. I experienced that. So when people talk about, oh, you know, um, I appreciate, you know, the soldiers and Marines. I was like, you have no idea. You have no concept. As a soldier that went out and did, 
And then you have no concept of what they're really willing to do for you. I understand because they got that intel. General, well, he was Colonel Clarity at the time, sent those men in and it could have all went to hell. It could have all went to hell, but they did it. And here I am. Okay. And I have to see my daughter grow grow up, and, and she's a pain in my ass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my I see my niece and a niece that I wouldn't have got to meet because my sister was pregnant. I have two nephews that I would have never got to meet if they weren't willing to do this for me. You know, so um, it's humbling. It's very humbling of what you know somebody's willing to do for you. So this is the third time you've met Kearney. When you met him that day, what was yeah. Kearney doing? And then, Kearney, I want you to piggyback off it and tell us again, pick it up from your point of view, I, what happened right before that. Weren't you the one that kicked down the door? Yeah, no, that was me. And uh, I, I always tell the story. It's like, uh, you know, you, you watch on TV and you just watch somebody walk up and kick a door and it just flies open. So that was the first door that I ever really kicked. And wow. it's not, it's not like the movie. So the first two banks she heard, that was my failed attempts at trying to get that door open. No the way. third one is when it actually came open. Yeah. We didn't have any breaching equipment at the time. So I, I was the breacher for the door. Oh my God. So that, okay. Wait, wait. Oh my God. So, <laughs> so you talk about stress and pressure. I can't imagine what you must be thinking with those first two kicks. Cause now the element of surprise is gone and those first two kicks aren't successful. The element of surprise for us had was gone from the beginning. Oh. Uh, like I said, somebody had walked up and handed, uh, handed one of the guys on, you know, that was on guard, one of the, uh, like a, you know, a letter or something like that with a, a makeshift map that was drawn up with, I think they were staying in uh, house number 13, if I'm not mistaken. And it's like the way it's written in Arabic, it looks different. So we, uh, it almost looks like a seven, then like a squiggly seven, then a one or something like that. So when we found out what we were going to do, we go in and we're trying to, you know, the the vehicle commanders, the guys driving, they're trying to get, you know, navigate off of that map that we're given. And they're like, all right, cool. It should be right up there. That's the house. So we're in this town, you know, the city Samara, and uh, we go up to this house. It's the wrong house, you know, reading the map. And so we figured out, oh, yeah, it's backwards. You know, they write, they write backwards. Oh, you know? my God. Yeah. So we, we went to the wrong house at first. And then... uh and then it was like, all right, hey, so we're on foot now. You know, we had exited the vehicle, went, hit the wrong house, left that house. Really, hey, there's nobody here. All right, so now we're on foot and we're just trying to like, I think we were like a few blocks away. So we had to move down a few blocks. But, uh, you know, everybody knows we're there. Like, there's no element of surprise. And I remember telling the story years ago. Um, it was the only thing I could really compare it to is you start seeing people come up on rooftops. Like the rooftops are just flooded with people. People are coming out. And it just reminded me, you know, I had seen, you know, my senior year of high school, I think it was, I went and I saw Black Hawk down. And that was the only thing I can compare it to was like, everybody's on these rooftops. It's like, reminds me of like that movie Black Hawk, you know, Black Hawk down. It's a setup where we're going to get ambushed, you know, because we knew that there was Americans that were still you know, being held POW, but we didn't know where, you know? So in my mind, I'm like, this is an ambush. And then running, you know, a few blocks down was somehow we get to that right house. And, uh, you know, I remember being the point man going up to that door. And I remember that house, it was kind of weird. Like there was actually two front doors. So it was almost looked like a duplex if I remember correctly, but you know, their style of house. So I went up to the door on the right 
just kind of, you know, running up to that door. I get on the door, two kicks, it doesn't open, third kick, it finally opens. I think there was like a, the door that was on the left was open and it connected to that house. So as I'm coming up, there was a hallway. I remember as I was coming up the hallway, there's a door to my left and I looked to the left and I saw somebody in there with a, with a gun, you know, a rifle, but it was one of our guys. So like, I went to turn real quick and, you know, the whole time we're, you know, yelling everybody get down, get down. And I went to turn to tell that guy to get down, but he was with me. He just found that open door, you know? Wow. So I remember, you know, we're going in and there was the first room on the right. They were all in and, you know, we went in and, you know, like she said, telling everybody to get down, get down. And, uh, I remember somebody saying, you know, she had, you know, we told everybody to get down, stand up if you're American. Um, and people started standing up and I remember somebody said to Shoshana, like, you know, get down. And I was like, no, she's an American, you know, um, everybody else was, you know, lack, lack of better terms, everybody else was Caucasian. She didn't look Arabic. She looked like people that I know, you know, wow. so she didn't look Arabic and I knew I'm like, she's I'm like, she's an American, you know, and wow. uh, yeah, it was, you know, I tell the story, you know, looking back after, you know, on it is. I think the people there were so scared. It's like we could have went in there with MRE spoons and you know got them out of there. You're like they, you know, the people no, there no, were so don't, scared. Don't discount what you've done, man. This <laughs> is know? no, no, no. I know, right? Do not discount what you've done, <laughs> man. This, this is again. We see the movies and, and superheroes. This is superhero stuff, and so don't discount it. And that's what a lot of us tend to do. We tend to say, oh no, 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 yeah, but it wasn't this. No, this was the greatest moment you could have in the biggest moment of your, your life and you stepping up. So don't right. discount it yeah. at all. Yeah, no, yeah. yeah it was right? Cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so, all right, so now you see Shoshana and them. Um, so you two, I guess this is your third meeting since, or second meeting after that. So Shoshana, yeah. before we kind of get into how you guys get out, when you see Kearney here, like what kind of emotions does it, does it bring for you? It's surreal. It's surreal. Um, first of all, I, I always comment. I was like, oh, he's a grown man now <laughs> because I remember the 18 year old. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was 18, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I remember thinking at the time because, you know, at that time, everybody was dusty, dirty. They looked a little older. Kearney went back to Doha with us. Uh, my security blanket, I had a grip on that boy's arm so tight, you know, because it, it, it made me feel safe. I was okay. Um, and then he went and cleaned up and everything. And then I saw this baby face. I was like, oh, my God, this little boy. I was 30. I had 12 years on him. I, I saw this baby. And I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think that's when somebody asked how old I was. I was like, I'm 18. And I was with Castro. Castro, I think, was 21. You know, and I'm like, what, you're 18? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yes. It was, yeah. it was, it was like, Oh my God. How long did you been in by that point? Jeez. Um, I, w- I was so new. I was new. So, uh, I had got to the unit. I got to the unit in, I think January of 2003. We check in wow. and yeah, like so new. Three months. You know okay. Yeah. Like, you know, boot camp. I went to boot camp in June of 2002, graduated boot camp, went to school and then checked in. Uh, so yeah, I had been in the Marine Corps, I think at that time, five months, you know, check in to, uh, to the unit. And I remember, uh, our first, our company first sergeant, he's like the senior enlisted advisor to the company commander, but he, he was, uh, he was a gunnery sergeant was his rank. Gunnery Sergeant Peterson. There's like seven of us checking in and he's like, like you guys better learn your job and learn it quick because we're going to war. And I remember like 
oh yeah, like eventually we'll go to war like someday. And it was probably 10 days later, I'm bringing my bag on ship, you know, we took, we took, uh, we took Navy ships over there. And yeah. So that's, that's how long I had been in. Okay. So you, you go in, you grab Shoshana and Shoshana grabs you. And, and there's a famous picture of you, you know, you guys running out away from there. Tell me the process, both of you. Where do you go from there? Where do you, people just think, oh, okay, you get clean. And yeah, in the movie, we see you next and, you know, somebody's getting a medal and that's it. Tell us the, the journey from that moment on. Oh, oh. That picture, this picture, that's hours later. Yeah. That's hours later. They had to get us because, let me tell you, I'm going to tell you this right now. And I, I've seen General Clarity. I just saw him a couple months ago and stuff like that. I, I still keep in contact with him. He was the, he was their battalion commander. They said, and some of the Hewitt guys, some of the Intel guys got, got some of that information, took it to him and said, you know, this is what we got. And they said that he said, okay, let me go and call up. They said five minutes later, that man came back and said, we're going to do it. There's no way in hell he got permission in five minutes. Wow. No way in hell. So when they rescued us, they had to wait to call in air to pick us up. So they had to secure an area, the area they had, they had to secure it and they had to guard us. Until the until the aircraft came and picked us up, oh my so it wasn't God. just the rescue. They had to, once that happened, they still had to keep us secure until we got picked up to take him back. I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio, season nine. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. This season. We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts. Avito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.